0: Welcome to Cereal and Milk. This is episode one, Fruit Lukes, hosted by myself. I am Luke.
1: I am Mariah Gills. I'm Abby. I'm Willow.
0: This is Tara Dewey. This is Manny. Awesome. So those are our people that are... Uh, we're going to be discussing Cereal Season 2, uh, Episode 1 of Dust One. So... To give a brief summary, uh, Tarek will be providing uh, just the basic details of what
2: happened. Right, and the narrator of this season of season two uh, serial podcast is Sarah Koenig, and she tells us about a man named uh, named Bo Bergdahl, who left his base in Afghanistan due to leadership issues, or his. Claim that is the reason he left is due to leadership issues that was going to cause the damage or kill someone. And she takes us through his thought process and preparation of him leaving, and then uh, takes us all the way to the night he left and ventured off into the Afghan desert with nothing but $300, a robe. Uh, which is a typical Afghan attire and his compass and she also interviewed a few of his uh, of his uh, like friends and whatnot that were there with him and got us some background info on him
0: yeah and so there were also some phone calls with Mr. Bergdahl himself can you talk about those
2: right Mark Bowl if I pronounce that right is is making a movie and about Bo Bergdahl's escape from his base, so to speak. And we, had, we got direct narration from Bo Bergdahl on what he was doing and how he was a, he thought of himself as a born esque type person and he was going off to make changes and get the attention of the higher up command of his base because of these, uh, his, because of the leadership issues that
0: were ingrained in his base. Yeah, and the cool thing about those phone calls is uh, it was just a phone call. They didn't know that he was going to be on a podcast. And so um, it was just typical conversation. You can hear him eating food, uh, petting his dog. And so they took those 25 hours, I mean, not continuously, but in total of those phone calls and uh, are using it to make this podcast.
2: Right, and another thing to note is it is him talking to Mark Bull, not Sarah Koenig. So she's kind of analyzing and taking us through the,
0: uh, the audio of him and Mark, of Bo and Mark. All right. So that's just a brief summary of what happened in episode one. Um, we don't know a lot. We just knew sort of some of the background. So we're all very curious about what's happening. Um, so we're just going to jump into some of our questions. And probably the most thought-provoking one, uh, it's kind of you've got to pick a side. Uh, Manny had the best question, we thought, um, asking, hasn't he suffered enough? Um, he was a prisoner for the Taliban for about five years. Manny, what do you think about that question?
3: Uh, yeah, like like I said, um, he was a prisoner for shy under five years. So during that time, he was kept in uh, dark rooms, isolated from the outside world. And um, at times, inside the podcast, you would hear him. Describe how it felt and how he would sometimes lose a uh, sense of himself, uh, so therefore not knowing what he was, uh, he described the f- feeling of touching his face, but yet not knowing if he was truly there and all, all he knew that there was a door, and out beyond that door there was the whole world, and um, he was stuck inside this room, dark, unaware of what was happening. And so, uh, my question was, hasn't he suffered enough? Isn't losing sight of oneself enough pain for five years and yet to come back home to the USA and be under investigation all over again um, by the government? Um, I just wanted to know what you guys thought about that.
4: Um, He was charged with desertation and um, they would normally like, that's punishable death. But the definition, the US definition of that is that um, any member of the armed forces who without authority goes or is absent from his unit with the intention to remain away. But that wasn't his intention. He was planning on coming back. He was captured, though. And yeah, he was in a dark room for a long time, and he lost himself. But when he came back, he seemed normal. And most people, if they were suffering that long, they wouldn't be back to themselves. When he, like, on the phone calls with Mark, he could laugh, he talked normally, didn't seem like nothing was wrong, and he had gone through that. So he could be lying, so I don't feel like he's suffered anything. Right,
2: but we don't know. I mean, we've heard phone calls, but that's it. And he's talked through his story multiple times with the lawyers, attorneys. Uh, I'm sure he's talked to friends and family. So it's not surprising to me that he can talk and, uh, you know, uh, de- describe things about his time being a prisoner of war without getting all teared up. And we don't know how he works with other people or if he is, a lun- uh, you know, a luna- a lunatic that's just able to, you know, compose himself for a few phone calls with Mark.
0: Yeah, the thing about this case is he's the only witness. Um, he, they're not going to get in contact with the terrorists who captured him and uh, see if this was truly the the story that he's presenting to these people.
5: Um, and, I mean, it's not like when he ran away he wanted to trade sides and start fighting against, like, the U.S. and his own soldiers, but... He was just trying to like create something that would get people's attention, is what he says. So I mean, it's not like he's a traitor.
4: But there could have been a better way, and he I, did. Yeah, I agree. He did leave his post when he was supposed to be watching next.
2: I and. think yeah, we can all say that what he did wasn't, uh, you know, the right thing to do at that moment. Uh, it could have definitely been handled better. I think we can all agree that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's
2: yeah. Well, one more thing. I think that's why we don't have any information on why he left. We got we like we still don't have any information on the uh, examples of the bad leadership, and what you know really made him leave, other than him saying that he was thinking the leadership was bad and was going to get someone killed.
0: hmm
1: But also, I think that um, he also indirectly made six. Well, while they were looking for him, six men died. Six of his fellow soldiers did, and so um, he kind of committed involuntary manslaughter because the definition legally is causing others um, death through reckless behavior, and that was really reckless how he left his post, and I think that he should serve at least a couple years in prison. I mean, not life, obviously, but um, I mean, six acts of involuntary manslaughter is at least six years in prison and around eighteen years probation.
0: So you're saying that the five years that he was held in a Taliban prison, still the time was not served
1: there? I mean, kind of but not. When he enlisted in the military, he said under oath that he was going to listen to his commanders, and. Protect his fellow brothers and he swore to God and by deserting his post he completely Did not but he said like he felt like his fellow
5: brothers weren't being protected anyway So he in his mind
0: he
2: was so he says he was doing them a favor Yeah, right and then that whole brings up the whole Conversation of what is his punishment and what is punishment because five years in, you know, the Taliban possession, you would think would be enough. And it's also his punishment to deter others to do it, or is it to seek vengeance on the person that committed it? Because I'm pretty sure that Bo Bergdahl's story definitely deters anyone else from doing what he did. Or are you doing it, you know, for a self-vengeance of, I guess, you want to get back at it.
5: And I think it's also punishment that he does have to live with the thought that six people died looking for him. Like, I think that's punishment too.
4: I find it interesting that um, in uh, One they uh, Sarah Corning said that um, he had survived the longest in Taliban like custody because most people would be killed by then, or they would have died, but he survived a long time. Kind of find that interesting. Yeah,
0: very suspicious. Um, We don't know much right now. And so let's just move on to the next question asked by Abby. Um, It kind of all ties together. So after he had escaped, um, like we said, he had his compass. Um, But he claims that for two hours he was just running uh, in no direction that he had any clue of. Uh, and he forgot to check his compass running through foreign territory that he um, just was very unfamiliar of. Abby, what sparked you to ask that? I mean, I know it's weird, but...
5: Well, Bo said the whole reason he got lost is because when he was, like, going through some hills, I think, and just got lost in there, he said he forgot to check his compass for two hours, so... By the time he found his way out of the hills, he had lost so much time, and that's how the Taliban captured him. And I just thought, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, you would have your compass in your hand looking at it and then just check it every, like, 15 seconds. Like, that's what I would be doing. And so it just didn't make any sense to me, and it was really suspicious.
0: And I just wanted to know what y'all thought about that. Well, I think... Um, if his main point was to run away, then he did that without checking his compass, regardless of looking at it. And if it was in foreign territory, then his compass couldn't help him at all. The only thing that his compass could have helped him with was the returning home. And I'm not sure, we're all very unsure about um, whether he actually truly wanted to go back or whether he's just wanting to make a statement.
2: Yeah, and I think it's it's very analogous uh, analogous to you know, a 13-year-old kid running away from his parents one night and then he gets, you know, half a block down the road and he goes, ooh, I shouldn't have done this, and he turns around mm-hmm. and goes back, and he's in, he's in the Afghan desert, and I, I did a little bit more research and I think, well, not think, but I read somewhere about uh, Bo Bergdahl's experience that he became very disorientated when he was traveling through, this, uh, through the desert in the hills. And it wasn't and he even was so disoriented he forgot to put on his rope, the uh the white Afghan rope that he brought with him to appear as like a civilian. And uh, so I think that probably plays in a part, you know, you're really disorientated and you're kinda panicking. And I could see how it would get away from him not to check his compass.
3: Yeah. Um even so, if he did like get disoriented uh, disoriented uh, and not check his uh, compass or put on the robe, that should come like uh, second nature to him. He was trained to constantly be aware of his surroundings, to constantly um, uh, know everything about his equipment, uh, to check it when it was appropriate. So even if he did become uh, disoriented, he knew that he needed to check his compass. On the other hand, he was trained not to leave his post. As
0: well. Mike drop. All right, number three. <laughs> Tarek, uh, a great question. Uh, we've kind of been talking about it, hitting on it. Does the U.S. have a moral obligation to protect Bo? Um, I mean, do you mean pr- protect Bo now? Do you mean protect Bo then? Elaborate on that. Uh, through my
2: question, I was wanting to spark up a discussion about The uh, since he's since he's back and he's been back for a while now, does the U.S. have an obligation to protect him further? Uh, You know, they went and searched for him and whatnot. But then when he gets back, should he be? We kind of already discussed this, but should he be on trial or should he, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, shake hands and part ways? I mean, it's a hard question. Um, He's supposed to be loved by his country, but when he went against his country from the outside. His testimony is that he was doing it for his country. And so, um, of course, at this point, we don't know the whole story of why he went against his country. So I can't necessarily make that choice of whether he did the right thing morally to go against his commanding officers. Um, And so I can't make a comment on that yet, but I assume by episode
3: five that I will. <laughs> um going off of uh, what you guys were talking about, I think uh legally the the government does have you know an obligation to protect him because everyone is uh innocent till proven guilty, so though we might have our suspicions about him being a liar, a traitor, running away um, a coward uh, for lack of a better word um he he like he says he did leave his post to protect uh, fellow people and uh, his fellow soldiers in his unit. And we don't know the full story, as Luke uh, has uh, stated, so we don't know if he's telling the truth. So the U.S., I think, does have an obligation to protect him until we know more about him or until he, he is proven either innocent or guilty.
1: You know, also his credibility is, can really be questioned because he's had five years to kind of think through what he's going to tell people. And there's no real, I mean, people to testify against him and say, okay, this is what actually happened. It's just basically his fellow soldiers that can say anything because they can't. I mean, she called the Taliban, but what's their credibility? Yeah.
0: So it's just a hard situation from our knowledge right now. And so it says, uh, Willow said in research that, he's back on active duty Um, and we still are questioning whether this story is actually valid Um, and so we can talk about that all day long but let's talk about a hypothetical situation so if you were Bo and you were at the post and your authorities may or may not have been acting up let's say they were what could a better situation or a better move I would say uh, be instead of abandoning
3: your post? Um, I believe in the podcast uh, Sarah did mention that he was on um, OP Mest for he was going to be on OP Mest for just a couple more weeks and then they were heading back to uh, their, their base I guess um, so he could have waited a couple weeks um, and then when he returned to his, uh, his, the base he could have then reported to uh, a higher, uh, to the chain of command that's above his uh, ranking leader in the unit, and just you know, just clearly like laid out the facts from saying you know uh, there's poor leadership uh, that uh, he's he's very um, scared about, uh, or he's very worried for his uh, fellow soldiers, mm-hmm. and he could have told you know someone higher up in the chain of command as soon as he got back. To Higher than the officer. Higher than the officers inside of his unit.
4: He believed that no one would listen to him because he was just a private. And
2: no one would listen to him unless it was truly what his uh, higher-ups were truly doing was unlawful. I mean, of course, every private, you know, he was fresh out of training. Every private's going to think, you know,
0: they know better than the colonel. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the teenager against the parents. Right.
5: I think, like, he could have, like confronted people that were the same rank as him Mm -hmm. and been like hey is this just me or do y'all see this too and then if they agreed with him they could have all gone and I think that the people above them would have listened better to 20 privates Mm -hmm. than just Bo by himself yeah
0: so he was I mean those officers didn't get there just for being who they were. I mean they were once private as well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that when they were privates they thought that they were smarter than the other ones? Uh, mm-hmm. Because they didn't act out to get to that position. Right. Do you think this was a childish move by Bo or do you think it was truly no? I right think thing?
2: I hope at least. Or? I think that our general conscience
0: and most people is
2: what he did was very stupid and he definitely should not have done that and and on the, the yeah, he, he should have done
4: it. I, have done it. Yeah, I feel like he didn't think it. Uh, th-
5: I mean, if he yeah. if he wanted to move up in the ranks, he wouldn't have done it. Patience.
4: Well, he, he didn't do it to move up in the ranks. Yeah, he, obviously, he, like, he did it yeah. so higher ranks would listen to him. Yeah,
0: that's right. And
2: then one more question I want to just hit on before before this ends is, what do you guys think about the relationship between? Uh, Bo Bergdahl and Mark Bow, who is, or I think that's how you said it, it's B O A L, and just to give you some background information on it, he is he was the director of uh, Hurt Locker, and zero so zero was he really zero doctor mm-hmm. well? So, yeah, is his is the, is their relationship genuine? Because in the in the phone talks, you know, with in the audio recordings with Bo Bergdahl, he's saying that, you know, yeah, you did this for the best possible reason, even though you're you know, the consequences after weren't intended. Is the relationship genuine? Or does he just want to make a movie?
4: <laughs> I feel like it is genuine. Because, like, he, yes, he's getting information about, like, what things he read me for the movie, but I, like, when I listened to the podcast, like, the audio, it, it felt, it sounded genuine, that like he actually cared about for a dog.
3: Oh see I have a different view of that i don't I don't quite agree with that because um in the podcast, you know as you were saying, they're having talks together um mark uh bull uh, i believe um in the podcast is uh doing random things, and I don't know if he's really giving uh like um full his full attention to Bo. because uh during the uh, during the podcast uh Sarah would say. That he would sometimes just—you could hear him cook, and he would be cooking or getting some cereal or uh, just doing random stuff while he was talking. And at the same time, he'd be like, he would um, answer to uh, Bo as with um, with like mm-hmm or yes, okay. okay, and not full like sentences as if he's actually acknowledging. If, don't
4: you do that when you talk to your friends though? Yeah,
3: the
5: conversations were casual. I think it's really hard for us to determine whether or not their relationship is genuine. I mean, keep in mind we're still on episode one, and so like we don't really know everything we can know yet.
3: True.
0: A lot of things to be answered. Um, for someone who just reads this across the news, um, it's really easy to accuse Bo Bergdahl of doing the wrong thing, uh, abandoning his post, uh, captured by the Taliban, and some people feel sorry for him. Um, So we all have opinions. Um, I think this is going to be an interesting podcast. Um, And thank you for joining us. This concludes episode one, Fruit Lukes. Join us next time on Cereal and Milk.